spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us. I just posted, if uh, you didn't see it yet, at the top of the page. You'll see that video from uh, Representative Kat Kamek from Florida. Uh, the pictures that she posted and she shared as well from the Ursula Processing Center in Texas that were sent to her by an alarmed Border Patrol agent who saw it all firsthand. Pallets and pallets of baby formula feeding foreign nationals who crossed our uh, border illegally, even though there was a red carpet rolled out for them. But they did cross our border illegally while American babies are left to go hungry uh, right now. So uh, check that out at alwaysright.us. Now, yesterday also we posted about this, and I shared with you yesterday this extraordinary revelation. Uh, some have been on top of it for a bit, including my next guest, but this is uh, just a brief explanation of it from former Congresswoman and presidential candidate Michelle Bachman. Two weeks' time, a vote will take place in Geneva, Switzerland, at the World Health Assembly. They're important because they're the governing body of the World Health Organization, WHO. This authority that they would be given would impact 99.4% of all the people in the world. There are 193 nations belonging to the U.N., The Biden administration is bringing amendments that would propose that all nations of the earth cede their sovereignty over national health care decisions to the WHO, the World Health Organization. If that sounds alarming, um, it is, and you should be alarmed. As a matter of fact, you should be terrified, you should be outraged, and you should be ready to act. Joining us now to discuss what this really means is uh, author and investigative journalist Leo Holman, joining us once again on AM 1420, The Answer, here in Cleveland. Leo, thanks for coming back on with us. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Well, this uh, this is quite the story. I thought the most... Uh, interesting and, quite frankly, devastating words in uh, Michelle Bachman's little description there that she gave to Steve Bannon on uh, War Room Pandemic was that this wasn't something that the WHO came up with and that Biden said, okay, we'll go along with it, I suppose, as long as everybody else is. According to what she said and what has been reported, these are Biden proposals that the U.S. is recommending that the WHO and thus the WHA have all of the um, authority to decide what happens in U.N. member nations in the event of of health emergencies. Did I hear it right, Leo? Yes, you absolutely did uh, correctly understand what she said there, Bob. Uh, these amendments were uh, came out of nowhere on January 18th of this year, apparently from a woman named Lois Pace, who is the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services for Global Affairs, uh, in a letter to the WHO. On January 18th, she proposed these amended uh, international health regulations. And uh, nobody knew about them, however, until April the 12th. That's when they showed up on the uh, World Health Organization website as an agenda item for their upcoming World Health Assembly, uh, May 22nd through 28th in Geneva, Switzerland. That is now a little over a week away. Um, And they're going to be voting on these amendments at that World Health Assembly in Geneva. And uh, 
you know, you ask a congressman about this, they'll 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 have eyes glazed over and not have a clue what you're talking about. You ask a U.S. senator, they won't know what you're talking about. This is being done completely under the cloak of darkness and secrecy, Bob. Uh, and I'd like Leo, Leo, let me jump in. Let me jump in for clarification yeah. there. Their eyes will glaze over because they don't know what we're talking about, or they will be feigning uh, a lack of knowledge about this. I don't understand how they could I not know. I think most of them will genuinely not know anything about it. Uh, there are a few, I'm sure, uh, who do know about it. And uh, probably mostly on the Democratic side, if I had to guess. Most of our Republican Congress, members of Congress are asleep at the switch, Bob. I have... If I've discovered anything over the last two years, it's that these people don't represent us. They don't live in our reality, uh, and therefore they don't study up on these things. Um, a good case in point, example, was this bill they just voted on earlier this week to give $40 billion to the Ukraine. While mothers can't even find baby formula on the shelves here in the United States, we have $40 billion to give to the Ukraine, and that's just a down payment on what they want to give to Ukraine. It's endless. It's a blank check for Ukraine. It's nothing for American mothers. And so how many Republicans voted for that, Bill, uh, uh, Bob? 147 joined all of the Democrats and voting for that bill. How many voted against it? How many Republicans? 57. So that tells you. Everybody's talking about we need to take over, take back the Congress in November. Yes, you can take back the Congress with people who have an R next to their name. But are they really representing America first type interests? No. The vast majority of the, the, the politicians who run with an R next to their name are globalists, not America first leaders. We have 57 right now in the U.S. House of Representatives who are America First leaders who get it, who understand the, the, the vital interests of American citizens. I'd say we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot more work to do uh, than people think. We're talking with author and investigative journalist Leo Holman about this, uh, this, this, this summit that is happening on May 22nd through May uh, 28th in Geneva, in which uh, they are going to be voting on regulations proposed by the Biden administration that would essentially uh, put the World Health Organization in charge of all member nations' health decisions on lockdowns, on mask mandates, on, on jab mandates, and so on, um, so that the individual autonomy and sovereignty of the, uh, of the United States of America and all other member nations would essentially cease to exist. This is truly globalism. To the point you made, Leo, uh, about people not knowing, you know, maybe, you know, they just haven't been made aware and they're blind, blind to all of this. I'm aware. You're aware. Um, it's, it's online now. Steve Bannon's aware. His massive audience is aware. There are a lot of American citizens who are, they've got to know now. It, it does, is someone going to ask them? Is somebody going to go before May 22nd to, you know, the, maybe, maybe one of the 57 that you're talking about, the ones that maybe we can trust to actually put America's interests first? Uh, they can't deny this going into May 22nd when, when so much of the population knows it now. No, I don't think any of them can deny it. Um, but if you called one of them right now, they would 
probably saying like there's nothing they can do about it. And and maybe they're right at this point. It's late in the game. This is literally a little over a week away, like I said, and it was kept completely secret until April 12th. And it took even, I think, days to a week or so after that before anyone noticed it buried on the World Health Organization website. I didn't find out about it until uh, April 24th. That was my first article. And, and I was one of the very first to write about it, at least, at least in a clear and coherent way. Part of the problem going on here, uh, Bob, is, is something I need to explain. Okay. There is a separate thing, referred thing for lack of a better word, referred to as the pandemic treaty. People have been in the conservative circles, have been concerned and reporting and talking about the quote-unquote pandemic treaty for months. Right. Uh, that, however, is part of what is confusing people. It's being used as a decoy. This pandemic treaty is something that has to go through an entire process of drafting it, negotiating it, holding public hearings. Then the U.S. Senate would have to vote to ratify it. That will take two and a half years at the least to materialize. So when people start talking about the pandemic treaty, they that's putting their eyes on something and how horrible it is, which it is horrible. But that's putting people's eyes on something that's two and a half year, years away. And they're unaware of these amendments to an existing treaty, which do not have to go back before the Senate, because this is an existing treaty called the International Health Regulation that's been on the books in its current form at WHO since 2005, uh, when they were last amended during the uh, George W. Bush administration. And so uh, while there, people are talking and concerned about this pandemic treaty, uh, people are conflating that with an, these amendments to an existing treaty, which are urgent, imminent, and happening uh, in a week or a little over a week uh, with this big vote at the World Health Assembly. And so a big part of the inaction on the part of conservatives is they're confused. Um, clarity is, is finally starting to coalesce, I believe, in the last few days. I think since Steve Bannon took it up on, on what? Excuse me. On War Room, uh, some clarity is beginning to emerge as he's been interviewing Michelle Bachman, who is she has a gift of of, of clarifying and summarizing things in in the verbal form. Where I kind of have that gift in the written form, but uh, between articles from a few people like me and her voice getting on uh, Steve Bannon's War Room. This thing is starting to coalesce, but is it too late? I'm, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I, I, you well, know, once the horse is out of the barn, it's a little hard to stop. Well, uh, let's talk about how that happens. Who's on that horse? What I mean is, is this just something in Geneva where Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the uh, U- ambassador to the U.N., will, will decide for all of America whether or not we surrender our sovereignty and our, and our authority to make our own health decisions? Is it, is it a... Is it a uh, a group of ambassadors, um, and and doesn't it take some sort of act of Congress before we would agree to something like this in the United Nations, or is this all executive branch stuff? Great question. Um, it's my understanding, uh, Bob, that our delegation is going to be headed by Javier, Javier Becerra, who is the uh, Secretary of 
the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in the Biden administration. Um, a lot of the countries have not even named who their delegation will be, but we can only assume that it will be like the head of their health ministries and those type of agencies. Um, and once they pass this thing in the, at the end, at this, in this last week of May, um, then it goes to a six-month review period where it's my understanding that it could be nullified if uh, if the Congress or legislative branch and executive branch agree to do so in any particular nation. And there's 194 member nations of the World Health Organization. Um, so we do still have six months if this thing is passed. Later this month, we still have six months where it could be voted down by Congress. Uh, Biden could decide, you know, no, nah, I don't really want to do this. But, you know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> because it's coming from his or this whole thing emanated originally from his administration. So there's absolutely yeah. no chance of that happening. Um, that, that's the most staggering and, uh, thing about this. But, but Leah, looking forward um, a past six months. Looking, you know, I mean, we, we were stuck with the horrific Paris Climate Accord that Barack Obama signed us into, the Iran nuclear deal. Donald Trump came in and axed us right out of those things. Um, is this something that the next president can do? Or, uh, you know, I if, would... there's, if there's a strong enough majority, if the Republicans take over the Congress, and again, your points about whether or not an R really means anything these days are very well taken. But if there there was a veto-proof majority, is this something that we could get out of almost as quickly as we get into? A future president, I think, uh, could get us out of it, just like Donald Trump uh, got us. He removed us from being a member nation of the World Health Organization, if you recall. That's right. On day one, right. as, soon as, as soon as Biden was uh, installed, uh, he, he reversed that action by executive order. And so, uh, yeah, it can be reversed, but we would have to... Uh, we would have to bow out of the World Health Organization as a member state of that organization. Well, tell me this, Leo. What We're talking to Leo Holman, author and investigative reporter. I know we're short on time here, Leo, but do, what, what is our advantage there? What, to, what is the benefit of the United States being a member of the World Health Organization? Because I didn't notice anything terribly different when President Trump pulled us out of it. Well, unfortunately, that, that is actually a very good point. Uh, unfortunately, we have a bureaucracy, entrenched bureaucracy in this nation. Uh, it's called the uh, CDC, the FDA, the HHS, uh, the NIH. All of these uh, alphabet soup agencies that touch on health emergencies, health care issues in this country, they're still going to abide by uh, most of the quote, guidelines or recommendations that are coming down from the WHO. That's why I tell people, you know, you're afraid about world government. We already have a loose form of world government in this country because these these federal agencies are out of control and they do not answer to uh, the American people or even our elected officials. Trump wanted us out of the WHO and got us out, but what happened? The CDC was still following WHO guidelines and recommendations so uh the, you know the, the cat was out of the bag we already have a loose form of world government they're trying to tighten things up they're trying to strengthen that infrastructure uh with with these amendments 
but we're already far down the road, Bob, and most people don't realize that towards global governance. Let me, uh, Leo, ask you one final question here, because this is something that was asked by a listener of mine uh, who left a message for me, who said, if and when we end up signed on to this thing and the World Health Organization makes decisions regarding national and international health concerns for all member nations who sign on, is it feasible, plausible, possible that there's a huge surge in, in uh, new sub-variants of COVID this, this uh, summer and late summer. Can the WHO order nations like the United States, be, because they signed on to this, uh, in the name of public health, to have all mail-in elections like we did in 2020? Can they shut people down or lock people in the way they are in Shanghai so nobody can get out to vote and, and preserve the Democrat majority here by, uh, by, by whatever means necessary? Do you think this is something that the Biden administration is, is counting on uh, in order to protect their power? That is definitely uh, something of top concern on all of our minds right there, what you said, Bob. Uh, yes, what most people don't understand is that we are living under emergency law right now. Joe Biden indefinitely extended the national health emergency that was first put in place in uh, March 11, 2020, by President Trump. Trump extended it. Biden got in and extended it. Then he extended it again indefinitely. So what happens when you're living under emergency law? The Constitution is set aside. And so the government can basically do anything it wants with elections and whatever by declaring a national health emergency. And that's what we're living under right now. That, Bob, is the very definition of dictatorship. Authoritarian, totalitarian regimes always have an emergency. You know, the nation of Cuba has been under a perpetual emergency ever since the advent of Fidel Castro and that revolution. We have got to get rid of this state of emergency. Leo Holman, investigative journalist and author uh, extraordinaire, writes about this and so much more on his website. I'm looking at it right now. It's leoholman.com, H-O-H-M-A-N-N, leoholman.com. Leo, thank you for sounding the alarm on this. We appreciate it uh, very much. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, That's Leo Homan joining us. It's 9.56. We're going to take this right to the news. Your phone calls after that on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.